following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. A brand new year lies before us, 2017. When I was a teenager, I could not even dream of reaching that year. <laughs> A good way to start, we're going to look at Psalm 51 this morning. In your uh, pew Bibles, it's page 474. And a good way to start the new year is to come before the Lord and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. It's like a fresh start. Let me come before you. Important to know as we read this psalm that this is a psalm of David, and it's when Nathan the prophet had gone to him after he had gone to Bathsheba and so knowing that these are David's words Psalm 51 beginning in verse 1 we're going to read through verse 13 have mercy on me O God according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Repentance is a gift from God. A blessing. Repentance is one of those, one of those words that we can uh, use as Christian jargon, and sometimes not get to the depth of or really understand what we're saying. But we're going to take a look at that today, and I want us to look at uh, getting a clean heart, getting renewed by the Lord, coming honestly before Him. We certainly don't merit the goodness of God. And so the results of his goodness is a gift to us. Romans 2.4 says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. We can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but too many times we think we can. We get in a situation and then feel like we're the ones that are going to solve it. 
we can never make ourselves good enough for God, no matter what we do. Our conscience prompts us to surrender all that we have and all that we are over to the Lord when we truly repent, if our hearts are really sincere. The Holy Spirit's been given to us, and through him we're prompted for our need for repentance. But before we look at that, I want us to take a look at some of the things repentance is not. Repentance is not sorrow. So when the Holy Spirit shows me that I've screwed up, and I come to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Being sorry isn't repentance. So simply because God's Spirit's put on you the burden of what it is you went through and the way in which you may have disobeyed him or fallen short of what he expected, just recognizing that and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. No, that's not repentance. Godly sorrow is a guilty feeling, and it's going to lead us to repentance if we'll follow his spirit, but it's not repentance. He wants us to have godly sorrow that will lead us to fully repent of our sins, not because of what our loss is, but because whatever it is we did or said or participated in, it grieved the Lord. My disobedience bothers him because he loves me. He doesn't want me to be in that state. We feel sorrow and remorse over our shame, and we regret having offended our Lord. He wants us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. So repentance is not sorrow. Repentance is not penance. Penance is like the act on the part of a guilty one, me, you. But penance is somehow assuming that I'm going to do something that will render payment for the sin. I can go through the motions and make it better. I'll show you, Lord, so I'll do these things, and it will take care of it an effort in some way to personally atone for the wrongs against God or against another man or woman. Um, doesn't work that way. Penance is not repentance. The question you should ask yourself is, you really think you can do that? <laughs> you know, if you've made those mistakes, you really think you can do something that's going to now make it right with God? We can't get there. Mark 1.15, Jesus didn't say, do penance and believe the good news. <laughs> God calls his people to repentance, not to do penance. Repentance is not reformation. Reformation is a change that's brought about by the efforts of man for self-glory, to be reformed. I'm straightened up now. I've done it. I've changed. Uh, going back to the account of the disciples and you look at Matthew 27 and read the, re read the account there of Judas. Here's a man who thought that he reformed. He's, gonna, he's feeling guilty now for what he did in betraying the Lord. And he gives back the money. He tried to make restitution, but it couldn't save him. And it can't save us. You know, I can't get reformed. 
the word remorse that's used in Matthew, metamelomai, a change of mind that produces regret or remorse. But it's not a change of heart. And that's the real problem. I can change the way I think. It doesn't change the way my heart responds. Counterfeit repent repentance sounds something like, Lord, I'm really sorry that I got caught. <laughs> well, Lord, I'm really sorry that I sinned. I, I, I hope I can do better next time. Nah, that doesn't cut it. Both of these are prompted out of a guilt or an embarrassment, but they're not heartfelt response of remorse over the fact that God is the one that was grieved. And usually if that's your mindset, you don't really have an intention of changing. You're looking to get off the hook with God and make things feel better with you and him. But you didn't really have a heart that says, I want to change this. So what is repentance? If we know it's not sorrow and we know it's not paying penance and we know it's not reforming ourselves, it's a change of mind and heart and will that leads to a change in behavior. I'm going to change what I'm thinking. I'm going to change what I'm feeling. I'm going to change what I desire so that my behavior is going to be different. The Greek for this is metanoia, and it's a word that's used in 2 Corinthians 7 that we looked at earlier, and it's a word all throughout the New Testament that's used for repentance. For example, jokes and movies and radio and TV and books, they all come into spiritual scrutiny as our attitude begins to change. Mind, heart, will, so that I get a change in behavior. Things that were once acceptable are no longer allowed in our lives as we come to know and understand what the, what the will of God is through his word. This is an individual process. It's not a process that's meant for me to correct you. Now, I'm not my brother's keeper. It's not my job to examine your life and then come to you and say, you know, I've been watching you and this is what I think you really need to change. Uh, first of all, God puts priorities in our walk with him in what he wants to change. And even though you may look at my life and see one of those things that God knows needs to change, it may not be the first thing he wants me to deal with. God has a priority list for me, and he's going to impress upon me the things that he wants me to change. I can remember in my early days as a Christian, people within the church were quick to be their brother's keeper to look at this young man in the faith and for some reason thought it was their role to tell me what things ought to change. Some of them thought I should quit smoking right away. Others felt that I should stop drinking right away. I was working at the state liquor store at the time. But in my own walk with the Lord and listening to the Spirit of God, those things were both things he eventually put in my past. But they were things that were not on first priority list for him. 
his first list for me was the way I was dealing with Peg and our relationship and as a young couple and my role of not understanding being a responsible father and husband and, and head of household and, and treating uh, Peg with respect. And so instead I was, I was uh, doing things that would seem funny to me, but it was really making fun of her. And, and that was a top priority for the Lord in dealing with me. But as I listened to him and not all the people he put around me, I could get those priorities straight. So I only say that to say we do come to understand what God wants for us, and that's his job with us. Now, there is a time when my behavior may affect others within the body of Christ, and now if my sinfulness is affecting you, it's time for you to talk with me. Okay, and that's a good thing. But it's not my role to be your, your Holy Spirit, that's for sure. A change of mind and heart and will that leads to a change in behavior, and God will do it. Genuine repentance involves several things, and I want us to take a look at that. First of all, it's confession. What David said in the psalm that we read this morning, he said, for I know my transgressions. He admitted it. Now remember, what he was talking about was his sinful sexual relationship with Bathsheba and the killing of her husband. I mean, these were not minor things. And he comes before God and says, I know what I did, Lord. I know. He didn't come and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my mistake. But he came and he said, Lord, I've sinned. Oswald Chambers says, repentance always brings a man to this point. He says, I've sinned. The surest sign that God is at work in as a man is, is when he says that and he means it. You know? So confession. Tell it to the Lord. Scripture also says, if you have a prayer partner, nice, uh, I would encourage you to have someone who you confide in that's of the same sex uh, that you are sharing your life with so that when you have a sin you're struggling with and God is asking you to deal with it, you've got a brother or, or in the woman's case, a sister that you can share that with and say, will you help to hold me accountable here? And the Scripture says, confess your sins one to another. Part of that is the accountability. Secondly, repentance involves a recognition that the sin is against God. In verse 4, we read, against you, you only have I sinned. Now, was that true? No, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her husband. But he recognized the most important one he sinned against was his heavenly father. That's where his heart was. Lord, I've let you down. When David said this, he knew what he had done, but he realized his sin was primarily against God. Thirdly, repentance includes taking responsibility for our sin. David didn't rationalize. Somebody once said rationalize means speaking rational lies. <laughs> he didn't blame Bathsheba. He didn't say, Lord, you know it takes two. It wasn't just me. No, as a matter of fact, when he came before the Lord to pour out his heart for what he had done, he never even mentioned her by name. That wasn't the important part. It was, Lord, I've let you down. He took full responsibility. Oh, for a fresh spirit to sweep across the body of Christ where each one of us would take full responsibility for the times that we screw up. 
prodigal son is a good example of that in scripture. You can find that story in Luke 15. But uh, verse 17 says he came to his senses. Verse 18, he talks to God and he says, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Then he got up and he went to his father. We need to learn and follow the commands of repentance. Part of that, I believe, so strongly because it was preached over and over in the New Testament. This whole process of coming before God and pouring out our hearts and letting him know that we need to have things change. John the Baptist preached repentance in Mark 1 and in Matthew 3. Eventually, that teaching cost him his own life. Jesus preached repentance. And ultimately, he said, repent or perish. Peter preached repentance in Acts 2. Paul preached repentance in Acts 17. That message was given on Mars Hill to the Athens intelligentsia. You know, you've got to change and get right before God. I share those examples of preaching from the New Testament scriptures because I think we need to do that too. It's what the, what the New Testament scripture gives us. We should obey it as well. After you receive Christ, you should continue to repent as you grow in your Christian faith and character. Sometimes in our growth with the Lord, we, we count repentance only as an act that we do at that point which we give our life to Christ. That, you know, I turn from these things, I repent, Lord, and now I, re I ask Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. And, and I think that's the end of repentance. You know, I've, I've come, I've repented, now we move on together, Lord, let's do it. Remember, repentance is a change of mind and heart and will that leads to a change in behavior. According to Luke 3, 8, a Christian who repents bears fruit of repentance. If we truly are obedient in turning to the Lord in repentance, then we're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You can look through Galatians 5 and Ephesians 5 and see that barometer of list of things and say, how am I living up to that? How am I stacking up? Do I see these things going on in my life? 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 9 says that those who have slipped back need to repent or be disciplined. Um, yeah, that's right. God's Word teaches that He does discipline us if we're disobedient. And the Scriptures are filled with examples of that. This David and Bathsheba one we looked at today is a good example of that. When David committed adultery with her, he didn't, uh, he didn't fess up right away. No, he hung on for a while, hiding it. Even then, it wasn't all on his own accord. If you remember the story, Nathan came to him and gave him a little reminder of what it was that he had done, um, and he had to deal with it. The discipline that followed was severe. And I believe the severity of David's discipline was partly because he took him a while to repent. It took him a while to change. He wanted to hang on to it or hide it. I'm convinced that if you and I will deal with our sin genuinely and openly and right away, as soon as the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, that God will lessen the severity of our discipline. I don't think any of us likes to be disciplined, so let's put it on the front, front burner right away and get it done with and let the Lord encourage us and strengthen us. It makes sense when you think, well, why does God discipline? The purpose of his discipline is to get us to change and obey him. 
So the quicker we obey him, shouldn't the discipline be less? Makes sense. If God sees that we want to cooperate with his Holy Spirit and that we've purposed in our heart, really, to not do this again next time, then stern discipline isn't really needed when he sees I'm really sincere. The longer we put off repentance, the greater God's discipline will be. And I believe that. Another aspect of repentance that I want to look at just before we close is the fact that the body of Christ together needs to look at repentance. We as a group need to be right before God. Your elders work hard in the leadership of your church to make sure that we're leading you in ways that are godly and biblical. If you look at Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 and you'll find these letters that were penned by John to the churches as Christ had him write. Ephesus had lost her first love. The church at Pergamos had permitted doctrine of Balaam to be taught within the church. Thyatira allowed Jezebel to teach and seduce. Sardis was a dying congregation. Laodicea thought she was rich and had no need for God. Five out of the seven churches that those letters went out to were told to repent. So as a body of believers, we need to stay strong before the Lord and be willing to come as a corporate body if there are times when we step out of God's will and go in the wrong direction. A change of mind and heart and will that leads to a change in behavior. God commands it. James 4.17 makes it pretty easy. You know, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, you're sinning. So it's not a difficult thing. Luke 13.3 says the lost must repent or perish. We're told as unbelievers we're to change our mind about what we believe concerning Christ and to move from unbelief to believing by faith that Christ had paid the penalty for his sin. We praise him for that. We're going to celebrate that around the table downstairs in a little bit. We need to remember that as a body of Christ together, we share those responsibilities as well. Let's come before the Lord in prayer and just ask him to seek our hearts this morning. If there's something individually, his spirit will speak to you. And then don't let the day go by without dealing with it honestly before him with your mind, your heart, and your will. Let's pray. Father God, it is a challenge that you place before us in terms of repentance. And we know, Lord, that it's not just that day when we gave our heart to you that you were looking for us to change. But each and every time your Holy Spirit shows us that we have stepped out of your will, that we've disobeyed, that we've let you down. Lord, it bothers us because we love you. And we know because of your love for us, it bothers you. And so, Lord, teach us to be your children. Keep us in your word. Strengthen us in our time of, of talking and listening with you. Empower us as we hear from your word. And strengthen us, Lord, that we can be your children, obedient, repentant. For we ask in Christ our Lord. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.